I, Paul, am under God's command as an apostle, a special agent of Christ Jesus, writing to you faithful believers in Ephesus. I greet you with the grace and peace poured into our lives by God our Father and our Master, Jesus Christ. How blessed is God. And what a blessing he is. He's the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah. His blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties, punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us, a long-range plan in Christ where everything will be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in heaven and everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, all part of the overall plan he's working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. That's why when I first heard of your solid trust in the Master, and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I think of you, and I give thanks. But I do more than thank, I ask. I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you could see exactly what it is he's calling you to do, to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers, uh, the utter extravagance of the work he does in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name, no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. Everything is under his command. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, 
tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did this all on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. And now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea, all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does the good work he's gotten ready for us to do, the work we'd better be doing. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this. You didn't know the first thing about the way God works, had the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel, hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. But now, Because of Christ, dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. And then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's simple enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, 
with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone holding all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. And that's why I, Paul, am in chains for Christ, taking up the cause of you outsiders, so-called. I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan for including everybody. I got the inside story on this from God himself, as I just wrote you in brief. As you read over what I've written, you'll be able to see for yourselves into this mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this. Only in our time has it been made clear by God's holy apostles and prophets of this new order. The mystery is that those who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same help, same offer, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. This is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God arranging all the details. When it came to presenting the message to a people who had no background in God's ways, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christ followers. God saw to it that I was equipped. And you can be sure it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. So here I am, preaching and writing about things way over my head. The inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out into the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus, like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about, even among the angels. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust in him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. So don't let my present troubles on your behalf get you down. Be proud. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and continue to invite him in. I ask him that with both feet firmly planted on love, that you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out, experience the breath, test its links, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything you know, far more than we can ever imagine guess or request in our wildest dreams. He does this not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit gently and deeply within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah and Jesus. Glory down all generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. 
Jesus, 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 you ransomed one like me. Jesus, 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 your blood, my liberty. And now my shame is gone and grace will be my soul. Glory, glory, glory to the one who saved my soul. Glory, glory, glory to the everlasting Lord. Glory, glory, glory to the King who sits in throne, our God. In light of all this, in light of all this, Here's what I want you to do while I'm locked up here. A prisoner for the master. I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on that road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this, traveling this road, with humility and discipline. Not in fits and starts, but steadily as you pour yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences, quick at mending fences. You are all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who's over all, who works through all and is present in all. Everything you are, think, and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean that you should all look, speak, and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us has been given his own gift. The text for this is, he climbed the high mountain. He captured the enemy and seized the booty. He handed it all out and gifts to the people. Is it not true that the one who climbed up is the one who also climbed back down, down to earth? And is the one who climbed down is also the one who climbed back up, up to highest heaven? He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work within the body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are easy marked for imposters, God wants us to grow up. He wants us to know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything.
we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we'll grow up healthy in God, robust in love. So I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've not only lost touch with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's not the life for you. You learn Christ. My assumption is that you've paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we no longer have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything connected with that old way of life, has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a life renewed from the inside, a God-fashioned life, working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. (coughs) What this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead, be angry. You do well to be angry. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you used to make ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Don't let anything foul or dirty come out of your mouths. Say only what helps, each word a gift. Don't grieve God, don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing within you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God and Christ forgave you. Watch what God does and then do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices, or bullying greed. Those sung tongues just love the taste of gossip 
Those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. You can be sure that using people, religion, or things, the usual variations on idolatry, will get you nowhere. And certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Don't let anyone take you in with religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people full of religious sales talk but who want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. You groped your way through that murk once before, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ will make your way plain. The good, the right, the true, these are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what pleases Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time with useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Rather, expose those things for the sham that they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see them. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, thoughtlessly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God. Huge draughts of Him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs of praise from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse to sing a song to God the Father in the name of our Master Jesus Christ. Out of respect for Christ. Be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that shows your support for Christ. Husbands are to provide leadership to their wives in the way Christ does to the church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. In the same way that the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not by getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty, Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that's how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. I mean, no one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we're part of his body. This is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a, a huge mystery. 
I don't pretend to understand at all. What's clearest to me is how Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. Children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. Honor your father and mother as the first commandment with a promise attached to it, namely, so that you'll live well and have a long life. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Servants, employees, respectfully obey your earthly masters, but always with an eye to obeying the real master, Christ. Don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants, doing what God wants you to do. And work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be given the orders, you're really serving God. Good work gets good pay from the master, regardless of whether you're slave or free. Masters, it's the same with you. No abuse, please, and no threats. You and your servants are both under the same master in heaven. He makes no distinction between you and them. So that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you to be strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, so that you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll soon walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, faith are more than words. Learn to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray long, pray hard. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and I'll have the courage to say it at the right time, telling the mystery to one and all, the message that I, jailbird preacher that I am, am responsible for getting out. Tychicus, my, my good friend here, will tell you what I've been doing and how things are going with me. He's certainly a dependable servant of the master. I've sent him not only to tell you how things are going with us, but to cheer you on in your faith. Goodbye, friends. Love mixed with faith be yours from God the Father and from our master Jesus Christ. Pure grace and nothing but grace to all who love our Master, Jesus Christ.